Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Castellanos is the nothing personal word of the day. As in Nick Castellanos, as in the $64 million free agent signing for the Cincinnati Reds, who is finding himself as part of what will go down in history as one of the single worst home run calls of all time. If you weren't paying attention last night, I want to go through what went happened, what happened in Kansas City where the Royals and Reds were playing a doubleheader. You know, in baseball, it's two seven-inning games. And during the course of game one, the following took place. Broadcasters are now not traveling with the team. So when your team is on the road, your broadcasters are actually in your home ballpark, in the home studio booth at that ballpark, doing the game for monitors. So when you're watching games and you can understand why the broadcasters don't know exactly where position players are playing, they can't tell when the double switches are, who's moved to what position. They can't necessarily see who's warming up in the bullpen. Most broadcasters have binoculars when they're doing games and they're looking out, so they're getting numbers. They've got in front of them all sorts of stats, but one of the things they have in front of them is the number roster, the numerical roster in order, so they can quickly go through binoculars, look to see. Of course, this goes against the whole Joe Judge situation where you need names, you need numbers, of course, and you see who's wearing up the bullpen. It's hard for broadcasters to know what's going on. The other way it works when you're broadcasting And you learn this whenever you have made an appearance. I first learned this, my first appearance in the media in 1999. You get counted in by a producer. So when you're going live, let's say you're doing a game, you're broadcasting a game, or you're just doing a hit on the news, or you're being interviewed, you'll hear in your ear, we've talked about it on this show, it's something called an IFB, and I don't know what that stands for, but it may be an interfrontal bollocks. And it's in your ear and it's connected to the studio, or in my case, it's connected to Coca. And so when he talks, he's talking in this ear and the other ear is often free or sometimes you can have one in each ear where one's talking in one ear. You can maybe have two different voices, two different things or the same thing. You see musicians are wearing earplugs because they've got different music that's being pumped in so they can react to the music that's happening so they don't have to listen to it live. They can listen to specific instruments at specific levels. So the broadcasters, when you're doing a game, at the end of an inning, when the third out happens, the producer will say to you, 10. And what you, what you hear broadcasters do is they're wrapping up the inning. So that's the end of the fourth inning. And after another one, two, three inning, the Reds enter the seventh inning up four to nothing. And while you're saying that, it's counting down. So they'll go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, out. 
And then it's done. The microphone's cut. You're on break. Then they'll be in your ear again and say, we're back in 90. And then we're back in 60. And then they'll remind you, all right, you've got this commercial read to do. You've got this guest coming on this half inning. You've got this story. And we're back in 15. And then 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then you start talking. Welcome back. Heading to the top of the seventh, we've got Trevor Bauer pitching a one-hitter. So that's how it works. So when you are broadcasting, you know when you are no longer on the air, and you know when you are back on the air. A couple of things that you're taught when you're going to be in this business, the first of which is your microphone is on. So like I have a microphone that I'm talking into right now. And I see that we are recording and I know that the mute button is not pressed because when the mute button's, you couldn't hear me because I pressed the mute button. So I could do anything. I could say anything. I could sneeze. I could cough. I could fart. You're not going to hear it. So I get counted in and Coco tell me when we're starting and then he'll tell me when to wrap and count into the wrap. But if we were doing a live game, we would be told when we're back, but we're always taught that the microphones are what they call hot. A hot microphone, you'll read that in the news, you'll read that on Twitter. That just means that it's connected to somebody. So when I'm on CBS Sports HQ and I'm at the desk or I'm doing a, uh, a guest, an MLB analyst with, let's say, Amanda or Jenny or TT or Chris Hassel or anybody, you'll be counted in by the producer. But when you're sitting there and there's a commercial break, you know very well that your voice is heard in the control room and it can be heard by anyone where your microphone is. It's not being broadcast out to anybody except people who are internal. So what you're taught is the microphone's on. So watch what you say. So in Cincinnati, Tom Brenneman was in a commercial. Tom Brenneman is the play-by-play voice for the Cincinnati Reds, part of a longstanding broadcast family. His farty, his farty. His father is Marty Brenneman. Uh, Coke, I think Marty Brenneman is in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. He's that famous. I've known Tom Brenneman for decades. He called the Marlins 2003 NLCS for Fox. He's been a Fox announcer forever. He does Fox NFL. He was the second highest baseball announcer at that time behind Joe Buck. And Joe Buck went to do football during October from time to time. So when there was a conflict, it would be the game would be handled by Brenneman. So last night, Brenneman is calling a game. They're in commercial break. When you're out of a commercial break, they'll often go to what they call an under screen, which means a, a, a ad or a, a read, as I call it, that's, that you're seeing when you watch the game, when it'll talk about the Reds Community Foundation having an event tomorrow from 7 to 10, and then you'll have a piece of paper in front of you, top of the seventh, read. So you read Cincinnati Reds Foundation, and there are people who actually write these. That's their job is to write all the reads. That's funny. To write the reads that you hear when you're watching games or listening to games. Cincinnati Reds Foundation, tomorrow from 7 to 10, will be having a drive for food at John's Bowling Alley. Then you throw the paper away and you go into the game. So last night, the Reds game got back from commercial. And apparently, Tom Brenneman did not realize that 
it was on the air. Maybe his producer didn't count him in. Maybe his producer counted him in and Brennan wasn't listening or thinking. Really doesn't matter. What does matter is that Brennan was heard very clearly using a homophobic slur describing what we don't know. He called something, some place, the F-A-G capital of the world. That is obviously a pejorative word. It's a word that should never be used. I don't know why that word would be used, especially now. You know what? That's BS. It's not especially now. It should never be used. It is a derogatory way to refer to homosexuals. It is absolutely offensive to the LGBTQ community. It's offensive to anyone who's not in that community, but understands that you simply do not use that word to describe anybody. It is a bad word. So he says the word out loud. We don't know if he's talking about Cincinnati. Could he be talking about Kansas City, which you wouldn't think of as maybe those. Who knows what the place he was talking about. And within five seconds, it was on Twitter. And I got alerted to it, and I immediately got into it, saying, that's it. That's it for Tom Brenneman. So the game continues. The first game of the doubleheader ends. The second game of the doubleheader begins. And Tom Brenneman is still calling the second game of the doubleheader, which, by the way, the Reds and Royals split. Yes, I will get to why Castellanos is the word of the day. All of a sudden, in the fifth inning of the second, seventh inning game, Tom Brenneman gets on the air. They put the camera on him. So when you're going to be on camera, when you're a broadcaster, they'll say on cam, or we're going to be going on cam in 45. Or when you're talking about something, they'll say on cam, and they'll go right to on cam, and you'll then know that what the viewer is seeing is you in the booth. And then when you're off cam, they will say in your ear, off cam. So they go on cam to Tom Brenneman, and he proceeds to attempt an apology. There's no way he would have had any time with his agent, any time to figure out what he should be doing, how he should be doing it, if there's any way to reclaim any possibility of a continuation of his career. Nothing. He gets on and he says... I just want to apologize for the unfortunate expression that I used tonight. I don't know whether or not I'll ever get to put these headsets on again. I'm very disappointed in myself. I'm sorry to have offended my bosses, the organization. And there is a long drive And there's a home run for Nick Castellanos, and the Reds take a 4-0 lead. And then I just want to say that this is not part of my faith, and people who know me know that. I again express my sincere apologies. Then, about an inning later, he's out of the booth. He passes the booth, or maybe it happened right after the apology. Basically, he hands the headset over to the number two play-by-play guy, and he's gone. Tom Brenneman did a home run call in the middle of the single worst apology I've ever heard of and made all of it worse incrementally because it can't be worse because he's done. He was so not ready for this moment, so unprepared, 
that his instincts to make the home run call as a play-by-play man took over, and it came off like a satire. It was actually funny. When you're watching someone squirm who recognizes that his entire career has not just flashed between his eyes, that's not the expression, has not just flashed under his eyes, before his eyes, his, as, but it's done, yet he calls the home run by Nick Castellanos? Meanwhile, what is Fox Sports Ohio doing? What are the Cincinnati Reds doing? What's Tom Brenneman doing? Well, later on, the Cincinnati Reds released what would begin a flurry of statements. The Cincinnati Reds organization is devastated by the horrific homophobic remark made this evening by broadcaster Tom Brenneman. He was pulled off the air and effective immediately was suspended from doing Reds broadcasts. We will be addressing our broadcasting team in the coming days. Not relevant for a statement. No one cares. In no way does this incident represent our players, coaches, organization, or our fans. You don't put that in a statement. We share our sincerest apologies to the LGBTQ plus community in Cincinnati, Kansas City, all across this country and beyond. That took too long. That is the first line of the statement. The Reds embrace a zero tolerance policy for bias or discrimination of any kind. And we are truly sorry to anyone who has been offended. You got to take that out of the statement because you've just lied to your fans, your players, your coaches, your organization, and your sponsors. But I'll give the Reds the benefit of the doubt and say they may not understand what zero tolerance is. They may have paid attention to the Astros' view of zero tolerance as it relates to domestic violence. If you have zero tolerance for this type of homophobic remark, then the statement is the following. The Cincinnati Reds organization today fired Tom Brenneman. After hearing his homophobic remark, the first thing we did is immediately apologize to the LGBTQ plus community in the Cincinnati, Kansas City region. And we apologize to everyone across this country who may have been offended, who should have been offended. The second thing we did is we fired Tom Brenneman because we have a zero tolerance policy for bias or discrimination. Done. End of statement. Fox Sports Ohio is the network on which it's the Reds are broadcast. TV deals are done in two ways. With the Marlins, we have the right to approve the broadcasters hired by Fox Sports Florida, but we could not unreasonably withhold that right. We could have a suggestion who we'd like to be hired, but at the end of the day, they were Fox employees hired by Fox, their choice. So for all you who think that we fired Tommy Hutton, not true. Fox Sports Ohio, there's another way to do a deal where the team maintains the right to hire and sometimes pay the broadcasters and the network cannot unreasonably withhold permission for what the team wants to do. I didn't know which way the Reds went because if he is a Fox employee, then then the Reds may not be able to fire him. And then you can put the onus on your partner and you would call the head of Fox Sports in California, 
last night and say he must be fired and we must do a statement now. But Fox Sports Ohio did a statement. The language that Tom Brenneman used this evening is hateful, offensive, and in no way reflects the values of Fox Sports Ohio. We agree with the Reds' decision to suspend him until further notice. You do? You agree with suspension? But you wouldn't fire him. And it's the Reds' decision, so you clearly said it was the Reds' decision, but why not say what you would do? And why are you saying it only on behalf of Fox Sports Ohio? We were very clear when we were working with Fox Sports Florida. They represented all of Fox Sports regional networks, all of Fox, large, big Fox Sports, which is where you watch NFL and the World Series on Big Fox, it's called. This was written by a PR person who only works for Fox Sports Ohio, did not get the approval of Fox Sports, even though they're three hours earlier, or maybe it's Cincinnati and Midwest time. I think Cincinnati is an hour earlier, so LA is two hours earlier. They clearly could have gotten in touch with someone at Fox, or maybe it's now Sinclair, and I don't even know where Sinclair is located since Sinclair bought all the networks, and I would assume that includes Fox Sports Ohio. That statement was short, to the point, but wrong. So Tom Brenneman then obviously went home and spoke to his agent and realized that his apology on air was not cutting it. So in the middle of the night last night, he released a statement from Tom Brenneman. I would like to sincerely apologize for the inappropriate comments I made during last night's telecast. Here's a hint to all you PR people. You don't put sincerely next to apologize. Because does that mean when you don't say sincerely that it's not sincere? Does that mean that we're only supposed to know it's sincere because you said it was sincere? Shouldn't an apology be sincere without having to say it's sincere? Isn't that the most sincere way to do it? I made a terrible mistake. What's the mistake, Tom? This this statement is so bad. Is the mistake that your microphone was on and you didn't realize it? Was your mistake using the F word even though you must use that in everyday life? Because why else would that even be in your head as a word in your vocabulary? What was your terrible mistake? Then finally, to the LGBTQ community and all people I have hurt or offended from the bottom of my heart. You don't need the parenthetical from the bottom of my heart. I'm truly sorry. I respectfully ask for your grace and forgiveness. End of statement. Too soon. No. What's your action item? What are you doing to try to take away the bias that you obviously have? Part of his apology on the air, by the way, said that there are people who would back him up, that he's not the type of person that would ever say anything like that. Do you know who's standing behind him today? Raise your hand if you know. Raise your hand if you're sure you can figure it out. I had two thoughts of people that I thought may defend him. The first one was Aubrey Huff. Haven't seen it yet. The second one happened. Kurt Schilling. Oi, with friends like that. Kurt Schilling stood up this morning and said that Tom Brenneman is one of the greatest people I know and he should not be canceled or whatever his tweet said. So many mistakes made. So how do I handle this? I was asked often. And what I was asked was that, by the way, Aubrey Huff did just tweet about this. That is too good. 
All right, here we go. I'm doing it, Coca. So this is how nothing personal works. I say something that I think should generally happen, and then it happens. And Coca, during the pre-show, said, by the way, Huff's going to weigh in. And he did live. Reds announcer Tom Brennan was caught on a, on a hot mic making a homophobic slur, and people are outraged. Have you ever said anything tongue-in-cheek just to get a laugh? It's sad people are offended by everything and have forgotten how to laugh and, more importantly, forgive. I love you, Aubrey. Thank you for providing us with that great tweet because it's exactly on point. And you can join Kurt Schilling as the people who are defending what Tom Brenneman said. I say a lot of things tongue-in-cheek. I'm very sarcastic. I like trying to make people laugh. I really do. But you got to read the room. And when you are a broadcaster, when you've got a live mic, reading the room means reading the times, means reading the understanding of what's happening. But you can count on Aubrey and Kurt to not be able to read anything. So I was asked what I would have done if I were president. And I want to just clarify two things that did not happen that needed to happen. I told you a little bit about how this my statement would work. When we have uh, a team a game, we have people listening to the broadcasters, listening to the radio broadcast, listening to the TV broadcast, because during the course of a game, A, we want to know what they're saying. I don't, but we have interns or we have people in PR. We want to know what they're saying. We want to make sure that they're not saying anything critical of the owner, for example, because we're going to listen for that. We want to make sure they're not saying anything wrong that we'd have to deal with. We want to make sure that they're getting information out to our viewers that we need out there. So we will have given them information before a game. Hey, listen, we think that, uh, This bullpen arm is not going to be available, but don't say it until he's not brought in. Then you can go ahead and say it because for competitive purposes, we don't want to let the other team know who's listening to the broadcast that our closer is not available today. Or we're going to have a player move. We'd send a PR guy into the booth and we'd announce a player move sometimes during the game just to give them information because we don't want our broadcasters to look stupid like they're not part of the team. We're also listening because if there's something that has to be cured, we want to have that happen in real time. So the process would be the intern or the PR person, whoever's listening to the broadcast, would find the head of broadcasting who's always at every game and always is within 10 seconds of reaching me by phone or is watching the game with me. I would have been told. I would have said, let me hear it. I would have heard it. I would have walked into the booth immediately while I was calling the owner, explaining to the owner what I was doing, while I was having the PR guy call the head of Fox Sports Florida, the GM, locally, explaining what happened and what we're doing. Then I have an email sent by my assistant to the head of all the regional networks in Los Angeles to explain what we're doing. Um, All this is happening at the same time while I'm going into the broadcast booth. I'm walking in. I am definitely waiting for in between innings because I'm not going to interrupt the actual broadcast because I don't want to make a spectacle of this, but I'm not letting him apologize live on the air. It makes everything worse. I'm telling him that I'm moving him from his job. I'm having him go home and I will say we will deal with you later. And the reason why I'm not firing him at that moment is that before you fire someone, you've got to get human resources involved. You've got to make sure it's done properly. You've got to make sure that you are, you have your HR lawyer involved as well, because you need to make sure you do it in writing. You do it according to the contract, what the notice is. You have to make sure that you are fulfilling the termination for cause 
part of the contract and you have to say that in the letter of termination, we are firing you for the following reason as per section 8.1 of your contract dated the 4th of June, 1972. So all of that is going to be in play and he will be fired before the end of the night. It wouldn't wait till the next morning. There would be an immediate firing. At the same time, there'd be a statement being written by our PR people who would be in touch with our outside crisis PR people, and that would be written and ready to show me a draft before two innings had passed because that statement's going to be released to the media while the seven-inning game is still going on because it should have been done even earlier, but I probably would have found out earlier had I been the team president. Then I'm calling MLB. I'm letting MLB know what happened, and I want to make sure that they're in position to know and that if they want to do a statement, they're ready. Then I'm going to hear directly from Fox Sports Florida because if they're going to do a statement, I want to know exactly what it's going to say, and I want to make sure that I approve of the statement they're going to make. Then we're firing the broadcaster, and I don't care after that if he makes his own statement, but what I will tell you is we will not offer our PR people in order to disseminate his statement. He can tweet it out. He can email it out. He can do whatever he wants. We are cutting ties. Now, why? Is it because of the cancel culture? Is it because of politics? No. This is what I would have done in 2000, 2005, 2010, 2015, or 2020. There are certain things that are the third rail of broadcasting. What a third rail is for people who don't ride subways or trains is that when you touch it, you die. It's sort of that simple. It doesn't matter whether you're grounded. If you touch it, you die. Any sort of racist comment, derogatory word, slang that is used to describe a group of individuals, it's zero tolerance. In the true meaning of the word zero tolerance, it's an absolute no. The Reds made a mistake, but they were panicked. I'll give it to them. I really won't because we're ready for just about anything, and so should you if you own a team or the president of a team or you run a team. What about Tom Brenneman? What becomes of him? Well, would it shock you to know that my wait to see is that he's going to get fired, not just by Fox Sports Ohio. He's going to get fired by the NFL as well. And the reason why he's going to get fired by NFL Fox is that it's inexcusable what he did and that it's a fireable offense and that he's put on the headset for the last time. However, I also will tell you from a business perspective, while this is going to come off, I don't care. I'm telling you how this works in the offices at Big Fox. They're having revenue issues. They're trying to cut costs. And when you can fire someone for cause and you've got that opening, you take it. They can replace Brenneman on NFL. They can move someone up to the number two hole. They can bring to the number two team, if you want to call it that. They can bring a college football play-by-play guy who's being paid not to do anything if there's no college football. They can fill that spot and they can take money off the books. And there is someone at Fox from a business standpoint who is acknowledging the reality that, listen, will I fire him? I'd rather not, but I'm taking this opportunity to fire him because I'm going to take the savings. There is no coming back for Tom Brenneman. I feel for his dad, Marty Brenneman, who had to give a statement to the newspaper in Cincinnati. And he is the father 
but he also understands what happened. And he said something that as a father, I can only imagine. He basically said, it's my son. And I hurt for him because I understand that Tom Brenneman had a bad night and he's having a bad day. And these bad days are going to last for days, weeks, months, and maybe years. But then Marty Brenneman also said that even though I'm his father and I hurt for him, what he said is inexcusable, bad, and does not reflect any of the way that we think or feel. It's an unfortunate situation that is not being blown out of proportion. And with people who have the hot take today that this is either being blown out of proportion, they would only suspend him, not fire him, or wondering whether or not what should happen. Is this part of, quote unquote, cancel culture politics, which is what Schilling and Huff are making it? No. This is about doing what's right when you know what's right, even if you don't agree with it. You do what's right. Castellanos, the unwitting, humorous, yet not funny word of the day. I had a backup word of the day that before this was happening, I was working on the show. I wanted my word of the day to be cluster duck. Cluster duck is a word that I guess autocorrects from cluster, the F word. Cluster duck. The reason I like cluster duck is that that's the state we are in right now in college football with the Big Ten. It is a straight cluster duck. So let's review very briefly what's happening in the Big Ten. Big Ten releases a schedule. Big Ten cancels the season. Then coaches and athletic directors say, we're going to play the season. We're going to leave the conference. We don't want to be in the conference. We want to make sure we play football. Parents are complaining. Coaches are complaining. Players are complaining. They want to be united. They want to play. They want health and safety protocols. They want to get paid. They've got many demands. The commissioner of the Big Ten is quiet. Presidents of the Big Ten voted. They didn't vote. They could have voted. They may have voted. The vote was 12 to 2. The vote wasn't 12 to 2. That's the background of what's happened in the Big Ten. Well, finally, yesterday, finally, the commissioner of the Big Ten decided it's time. So he wrote an open letter to the Big Ten community. The way we used to decide whether something would be a statement, would it be a statement from somebody? Would it be a letter to somebody from somebody? Would it be a letter to somebody from nobody? Would it be a statement to everybody from nobody? Would it be a statement just to some people from one person? We always would go through the different possibilities. And the way we look at it is that when there is a big issue where we are at fault because we haven't acted quickly enough, because we've been dithering a little bit, or because we may be on the wrong side of our students and we may have done something that we think was right, but everyone else thinks was wrong, we would do it like the Big Ten did it, an open letter to the Big Ten community. We're not going to say it's an open letter to the college football community. We're not going to say it's an open letter just to parents, just to fans, just to sponsors, just to broadcast partners. No, it's the community of the Big Ten, which therefore encompasses all of the people who have been bitching and moaning about what the Big Ten has done and how they did it. So the open letter from the commissioner, his name is Kevin Warren. You know, we've gone through this before, but he released this letter and, uh, Basically, he was defending the decision, finally, and explaining the decision. He acknowledged there was a vote of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors. He said the vote was overwhelmingly in support of postponing fall sports and will not be revisited. So that was the third sentence of the letter. And 
I understand why I couldn't lead off with that. But that was a very big issue because there was such difference of opinion regarding whether there was actually a vote, including by the Michigan State University president who didn't know whether there was a vote, which is obviously insane. Anytime, here's a little clue over there in Lansing. When you have to say yay or nay, or you have to raise your hand on a Zoom, or if you have a chance, anyone opposed and you don't say anything, all of that means there's been a vote and you have voted and you've taken a position. Just a little nugget from me to you here on Nothing Personal. So the open letter of the Big Ten community goes on to talk about COVID and how many people have died and how many people have died around the world and in America, and then acknowledged how disappointed everyone is that there's no fall sports. He talked about the health, safety, and welfare and wellness of all the student-athletes and how that's the center of the decision. He didn't say that the health and wellness and safety of all students in the Big Ten community, he was talking specifically about the student-athletes. Hmm, interesting. What about me? What about me? He explained that it's an evolving situation, which is why he released the schedule six days before postponing the season, because things change on a daily basis. Horse hockey. If you go to your council, there's no way that council agrees to release a schedule by a vote when they know that there is no consensus and there is no majority for anything other than postponing the season. There was not going to be a new revelation in testing, which was listed below in this letter as the primary factors that led to the Big Ten decision. Transmission rates continuing to rise in alarming rate. The general student body coming back to campus and spreading to student athletes could reintroduce infection into our athletics community. I'm so annoyed with the Big Ten commissioner right now for ignoring the fact that the majority of people in the Big Ten are students and faculty. There's too much we don't know about the virus. Six days ago, we really didn't know anything. Then we learned a little less, maybe a little more. We tried to learn about, he talked about cardio, mito, mito, carpathy. Simpa, simpa myocarpiathy, myocarditis. You learned that in six days? With the start of full contact practices and competitions, it became increasingly clear that contact tracing would risk frequent and significant disruptions to the practice. What? You didn't know that six days ago? It's disingenuous to say anything other than we released the schedule to the Big Ten because we were still trying to get votes to play. We thought that we could get away with playing. We waited to the last possible minute. As we know from the Samson sit-down with the Rutgers president, there was an on-off switch. There was a day they all knew about where the final decision would have to be made. Releasing the schedule was nothing but misguided, wishful thinking. And they had all this time to figure out how to play it, and they still screwed it up so badly by not making sure the coaches, the athletic directors were on the same page. Because all that's happened is there's teams that are saying in schools that are saying, hey, we're going to play the fall schedule, rumors are. 
Ohio State did an entire huge statement from their athletic director after the athletic director has been vociferous in his disagreement with his president, his desire to play. He did an entire statement yesterday that said on behalf of OSU and president-elect Christina Johnson. Ah, he finally got the picture that all these coaches and athletic directors who are talking out of school and Herbert or talking as though that they don't agree with what the president did and they're doing that publicly. All of those people are violating their contracts. Every last one of them. I'm talking to you, Jim Harbaugh. So Gene Smith does an entire. By the way, Jim Harbaugh is the one who went up against his president saying that we're safe. Let's play. So. Gene Smith did a huge statement talking about Ohio State University, what a difficult time it is for Buckeye Nation. What he said in there is interesting. Big Ten sports is postponed. It's not canceled. We are looking for a schedule in winter or in spring. We are putting together a committee. This is good. The Big Ten announced a new committee. I want to tell you I've not been asked to be on the committee, but it's a good committee. It is, it is now the Big Ten Return to Competition Task Force. And that task force is tasked with developing plans for winter and spring competition models. You're only convening that task force now? Let me give you some advice. That should have been going on for the past four months and their results should be in right now because one of the things you should have been planning for was the end of college football because we talked about it on Nothing Personal. We knew months ago. Months ago, if you're going to live in a bubble and dream of things that you want to be, wish they could be, but are deluding yourself into thinking they will be, all that happens is you're caught with your pants around your ankles. And there are a lot of people tripping in the Big Ten right now. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that I really, really, really needed to be better. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. 
Welcome back. So I told you I am a sucker. You know I watch movies. This is nothing personal, by the way. Thank you. Please rate, review, get into Apple. Write a review and ask a question. I've gotten a bunch of great questions ready for the end of month mailbag pod. It's coming here shortly. It's August 20th already. That's one way to help also by telling your friends about nothing personal. Please, let's keep it growing. Why not? Wouldn't it be great to actually win podcast of the year now that we've been nominated? People's choice. Come on. So I watch a movie every day and I told you that I'm a sucker. Netflix does it. They say it's trending. I'm going to watch it. That's why I watched Project Power with Jamie Foxx, which I think we reviewed last week. I think it just came out. Um, And there was a number two trending movie that looked good. And the reason it looked good is Fergie and Sam Rockwell. Neither Fergie nor Sam Rockwell are in the movie, but Sam Rockwell's significant other, Leslie Bibb, is in the movie, and Fergie's ex-husband, Josh Duhamel, is in the movie. Now, I may have this wrong, Koken. I forgot to ask you this pregame. Is Josh Duhamel Tad Hamilton and win a date with Tad Hamilton? I think that's the same guy. That was with uh, Topher Grace was the boyfriend and the girl was with the long blonde hair. Oh, my God, I'm blanking. What's the name of the actress in uh, Win a Date with Tad Hamilton who is all sort of giddy that she loves Topher Grace but goes, Kate Bosworth, thank you. Anyway, so Josh Duhamel and Leslie Bibb are in a movie and the, the little snippet says, this is a movie about a woman who moves from the city to the country as she gets over her lost husband. So I figured it's romantic. It's going to be maybe cute. It'll be about the city boy and the country girl, the city girl and the country boy. It's the out of place people that is so common in movies and it's so obvious what's going to happen. So Leslie Bibb comes from the city. Her husband is dead. Spoiler alert, the lost husband, he's not actually lost. He's actually dead. So she moves out to be with Nora Dunn, who happened to be a great comedy actress who plays uh, her aunt. And Sharon Lawrence plays her mother. And in any case, you go through and you say, wow, I think that the ranch hand where on the ranch she's at is the best looking guy of all time, which is amazing because he's single coming off a bad relationship, and here comes a single mother who is H-O-Triple-T, according to Josh Duhamel. So this is going to be the most ordinary movie of all time. And it was. It was the height of cliches. And it's gotten quite well-reviewed, and I don't get it. Usually I agree with, there's a reviewer I read on RogerEbert.com. Roger Ebert still does reviews. I only read reviews after movies. I don't want to know what anyone says. I'm just going to watch it. I just found the movie to be full of cliches, the cliches about what it is when someone from the city can't milk a goat, right? Someone from the city can't, doesn't want to wake up early. Someone in the city doesn't have boots because they take their nice shoes and step in horse crap. Someone from the city doesn't understand what you have to do to kill your own food or cook your own bison or whatever you have to do. And then the big, bad, burly Josh Duhamel has a tool belt on, he can fix stuff, and then they fall in love. Or do they? Well, the reviewer said that it's a better movie because it's about her finding herself and her being the leader of her own destiny, yada, 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 yada. Ugh, not good enough. It's just not good enough. The Lost Husband, it's on Netflix. It's a popcorn movie, but it's mostly full of kernels. 
Okay. Hey, we won the pick of the day. Nothing personal pick of the day. Remember I told you that Casey Mize was making his debut and then I thought the White Sox would beat him because they were a lineup that was going to do well with Casey Mize. Well, both the Tigers and White Sox had a debut of two really good young arms. Casey Mize had some nasty splitters. He pitched a great game, but the White Sox did win. Guess what? We are seven and eight. Yeah. Going for 500 today. So I've got a, uh, some people I know in Cleveland who I've done some races with and, uh, they're not in Cleveland at all. They're Cleveland fans. I don't know why I said they're in Cleveland. They don't live in Cleveland. They live in Atlanta. I actually remember part of raising money for, uh, charity as part of the ML beer challenge, uh, the boys and girls club of Atlanta. In any case, I get texts all the time on how great the Indians are and, he loves the Indians, and he's angry about 1997 when the Marlins beat the Indians, et cetera, et cetera. And he believes the Indians are the greatest team ever. And now he wants Bieber to win the Cy Young, Frank Conner to win Manager of the Year, the Indians to win the Central Division over the Twins, and then to win the World Series. All of that is fine. It's just not going to happen. What is going to happen tonight is that Shane Bieber's pitching. I know there's a lot of NBA to watch. So you sh- there's some good games, actually, as the Bucks and Lakers try to even their series at one and the Heat try to take a two-game lead today. There was another upset last night in the NBA. We talked about that yesterday with no home court advantage. The number two-seeded Clippers, who are favored to win the title in many regards over the Lakers, even the Bucks, they lost game two to the Mavericks because the Mavericks have a player, if you've never heard of or seen, start watching. His name is Luka uh, Donkic, Dokic, Jokic. I actually don't know. I, is it Nick Dokic from the Nuggets and Luka Donkic from the Mavericks? In any case, he is a player who could be one of the top three players in National Basketball Association. But where we're going to get to 500 is we're going to ride the Bieber train. Justin Bieber is pitching for the Cleveland Indians. And he is really favored to win the Cy Young. He's 4 0 probably the best pitcher in the American League right now, and they are playing the Pirates, who are the worst team. And uh, thank you for saying that. I just realized I may have said it's Justin Bieber pitching. If Justin Bieber is pitching, I would take the Pirates. If it's Shane Bieber, I would take the Indians. So check with your bookie and make sure it's Shane Bieber, not Justin. So the Indians are over the Pirates. The Pirates have two issues. Number one, they're the worst team in baseball by a lot. Number two, came out today. Their team president, the new president, was just hired, Travis Williams. He just tested positive for COVID and released a statement just this morning while we were doing our show. And there is now a set statement that you make when you test positive for COVID and you acknowledge that you've tested positive in your quote. You say that you followed all the protocols, that you wear masks, that you have no idea how you could have gotten it. You say that I didn't infect anyone else. You say that I'm hoping to recover. And then you say, I want to use this diagnosis as a reminder that we're all susceptible and we all should follow the CDC guidelines. I don't know why you have to actually do statements like that. I guess people feel going back to the beginning of the show where statements have certain things in them that always have to be said, even though they're extraneous and don't matter. I don't know if you knew this, but putting together statements, by the way, for Travis Williams, please get better and feel better. And thank you for that statement. When it comes to statements, I guess the truth is 
Mostly, they're about business and they're nothing personal. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.